0: We've been talking about this uh, this partnership that we are having with (coughs) Compassion International to release children, (coughs) particularly in the country of Bolivia, uh, uh, from poverty in the name of Jesus. And so on May 8th, which is just a couple weeks from now, you're going to have this opportunity to sponsor a child. If God is leading you to do that, if God is uh, calling you to do that and prompting you to do that, then you'll have an opportunity to sponsor a child. And for $38 a month, that's it. Thirty-eight dollars a month is all this child and this child's family needs to be released from poverty, and so we uh, have this incredible opportunity. We have a goal. I said twenty-five. We're actually upping that goal to fifty. And so, if you guys feel called to sponsor a child, they're going to be here on the, on, the, on May eighth. There'll be lines of of children packets. You can take those, and it's going to be really cool. I'm actually going to invite uh, my friend Gabby up. She sponsors a child in the same city that we are going to be sponsoring children from in Cochabamba, Bolivia. And she's actually been to Bolivia to meet her child, which is really sweet. Um, so, so, Gabby, for how long have you sponsored uh, a child?
1: I've been sponsoring him for four years now.
0: Four uh, years. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, and what is your child's name?
1: His name is Kevin.
0: Okay. Kevin. So, pretty, pretty American name, right, for a, for a child in mm-hmm. Bolivia. That's pretty cool, yeah. though. What does this relationship look like? Uh, you know, wh- for you, what does sponsoring a child mean? What does sponsoring Kevin mean? What does it look like?
1: For me, he's like a brother I never had. Um, okay, sweet. Because like he's like my brother, and I can connect with him. Um, it's my way to encourage him and to encourage just people, his family, um, to help them in their. Uh, They're a huge family, so for me to be able to impact one of the children to help bring in income. Bring in uh, the word of God and to provide for that—it's just yeah. the most amazing thing. So
0: he—he, he, you said it's a huge family. How yes. many siblings does Kevin have?
1: Um, he has two. He has a little brother and an older sister. Okay. Um, and his mom, and dad is working outside the country, and he lives with his grandparents and aunts, or with him
0: too. So. Yeah. So it's not just like his immediate brother and sister, yeah. but it's his aunts and uncles and his cousins and his grandparents all living mm-hmm. in the same household, right? Um, so, you, you said this, this relationship is like a brother-sister relationship, which is really neat. Uh, do you, you write him letters pretty regularly?
1: Yes, as often as I can. Okay. And I always receive them, and I'm so excited when they come in the mail.
0: Right. So, that not only do we have this opportunity to write them letters and to send them gifts, but then they write to you as well. Yes. And so, you have a <laughs> box pro- probably full of all the letters that you received. Mm-hmm. Now, you went down and visited Kevin, right? Yes, I did. Uh, and you, went, you went to Bolivia. What was that experience like?
1: <sighs> it was awesome. Um, for me to be able to go and see him and actually put the face like to an actual person instead of just a picture, to actually meet him, to get to know him more, and connect with him. So yeah, just it was amazing. Um, I recommend anyone who's able to go. Um, it's just the your eyes are open. The guy was just with me the whole time, and made me stronger in my faith. And it was just awesome. So yeah.
0: Yeah, so in the, in the, in the future years, we'll, we will have opportunities to go to Obama Bolivia as well as a church. And so if you sponsor a child, you'll have an opportunity in the future to actually go and visit that child, which is a really, really cool opportunity. So sponsoring him is $38 a month. And you're a, you're a college student. And so $38 a month, it's like, oh my goodness, like $38, that's like my that's my l- my lunch money for the month. But is this is this hard for you? Is it hard yeah. to like, is there is there something in you that says, I would really rather keep this in myself, or is it pretty freeing and is it pretty giving to just say $38 to release somebody from poverty is so worth it?
1: I'm just blessed to have what I have and yeah. to be able to use what gift has provided for me, to be able to give it to someone else, it's just so freeing for me. Um, even though I'm a college student, I do have best money for that. But for me to be able to do that and see his joy and see that I'm helping someone else and seeing the family be impacted spiritually and just everything's just being impacted and seeing the, the light going on and for me just feeling like I'm helping someone and I can see the joy of them and
0: yeah,
1: always knowing that.
0: It's so, so for you, $40 a month, $38 a month is so worth it. It's so it's worth it's it. It's not, it's not even a, a, qu- a question. No. Right. I
1: would not stop. I would do it. Yeah. It's $40. It's basically... Two dollars, three dollars.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like nothing, right? Like nothing to me. Yeah. yeah, it's not not even a cup of coffee a day, really. So, <laughs> uh, Gabby, thank you so much. Thank, thank, thank you so much for being here. Gabby actually has a book of, of her trip to Bolivia. So if you're interested in kind of uh, seeing her, her, uh, yeah, right here. She made she made this book from her trip in Bolivia. If you want to see uh, uh, her story and pictures, then feel free to come on up here and look through it. Thank you so much, Gabby. Appreciate you being here. Yes. So, on the 8th, again, we'll have this opportunity to continue to sponsor children from Cochabamba, Bolivia. Hey, we are uh, shifting gears a little bit in our stretching series. We are in a series called Stretching. It's a beautiful human trait. We began talking specifically about becoming generous with the use of our money. We started this last week. We talked about stretching in a lot of different ways, our energy and our, our resources and our our emotions, even, we talked a little bit about, but our time and our talents, and there's a lot of different ways, but last week we started to talk about generosity, specifically in the use of our money, and so if this is your first time to Restoration Church, uh, you haven't been to church in a while, first of all, we are so excited that you're here, we, we hope that you come back and that you feel welcomed and loved here, but please know that we don't always talk about money, <laughs> You know, you just came on a Sunday where this happens to be the topic. I was with friends yesterday, and they're, they're like Christmas and Easter friends. You know, they go to church on Christmas and Easter, and they don't come to this church. They go to a different church on Christmas and Easter. And, and they were like, yeah, you know, one of the reasons we just don't go to church very often is because they're always just talking about money. They're just constantly telling us how, how much in debt they are and how, much, how badly they need our money. It's like, we just don't want to hear that every week. We just don't want to be pounded with that. And, and that's really not what we're about here at Restoration Church. I do not want to guilt you into giving. I do not want to, to put this burden upon you to say, we're so badly in debt, will you please help us out? That's just not what we're about. I want to cast a vision of what God could do through Restoration Church. How could this community be transformed because of the grace of God going through us? And if you want to be part of that, then give generously towards it. So if you were here, you just happen to come on a week where we talk about money. And the reality is, if you come back like the next five weeks... We're going to talk about money, okay? So come back in like six weeks and we'll finally move beyond that topic. But here's, here's what I know. Money, along with power and sex, these have been the three super idols in our world since sin entered it. Money, power, and sex. These are three super idols that every culture in history has dealt with and have, and have ruled and also ruined cultures in history. And so the reason talking about money makes us uncomfortable, I think, is because it feels uh, a little awkward, perhaps, is because... Worshiping the God of money is a real prominent activity in our culture. And you have a real affinity towards that thing that you worship. And so we, we, money is one of those things. It's like I feel awkward because, because the God of money, the, 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 the object of my worship in my money is telling me to fear him. And so I need to, I need to hold my money tightly. And I don't want to talk about it. And it's one of those uh, taboo subjects that we never want to bring up because the God of money is going to shun us. And so what do we need to do? We need to smash that that idol. We need to smash that false God and say, I'm going to trust in the real true God who's going to provide for me. And so I think this is why the money, the, the money is such a prominent topic in scripture. And it's why it's awkward to talk about. And it's why people feel this burden when we talk about it. But... It can be liberating, it can be freeing, and I'm going to help us hopefully learn how. Now, several months ago, Emily and I were at a conference, and Andy Stanley, if you guys are familiar with Andy Stanley, he's the pastor of North Point Community Church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. It's a large church down there. And he said at this conference, he's like, guys, 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 everything that I do is open sourced. Everything that we do as a church is open sourced. So we have this media available. We have messages available. We have uh, everything that we literally do is open sourced. Use it. Use it to the glory of God. Take what I have done. Take what we do as this church and use it. If you don't have the resources, if you don't have the time, use what we have done for the glory of God. And so for the sake of full disclosure, uh, in this, you know, we're going to be talking about money in the next five weeks. There's going to be one or two of these messages where I'm going to lean heavily upon what Andy Stanley has already produced. And this message in particular is going to be one of those. Right now, we are talking about how to be generous. Okay, being generous and here's the thing. Statistically, most people in America think that they are generous. I, I am generous, Ross. I, I am generous. And yet, statistically, it, pr- it shows that most people actually aren't generous. Even though we think we're generous, we actually aren't generous. And the reason, perhaps, this is the case is because most Americans don't know how to be generous. Most of us think we're generous, but in reality, we are not. And so, throughout this series, we want to teach you to be generous. Not how to give, because we're all really good at giving, right? We can pull your heartstrings, right? We just showed a very, very, <sighs> video just brought me to tears, you know? It's like my, my heartstrings have been pulled. I can show you videos. I can just put pictures of third world children up here and say, hey, let's give, all right? We can show more compassion videos, but that's not what we're talking about. Random acts of giving are really good, right? C- contributing to causes like this are really good, but I want to teach us to be generous. And so I'm going to push this a little bit. I want to teach you to be generous because I think very few of us have actually been taught how to be generous. And as, if no one has ever taught us to be generous, then you might think that you are generous, when in reality, you're actually not generous. And so when we talk about generosity, we aren't talking about random acts of giving. Most of us are really good at random acts of giving. And random acts of giving are important, and they're really beneficial, and, and we should do them, right? We should have a pretty loose hold on, a, on our money and our possessions and give them away freely to those in need. That's not what we're talking about. Those type of things generally come at the end of a sales pitch. We're persuading you to do something or guilting you to do something. or inspiring you to do something. And the truth is that most of our random acts of giving come at the end of one of these sales pitches. We show a video and your heartstrings are pulled and so I'm going to give. It's a random act of giving, right? I haven't prepared for it. I haven't thought about it. I haven't prayed about it. But I'm going to give because my heartstrings are pulled. But what we're talking about in this series is beyond random acts of giving. I'm all for random acts of giving, but generosity transcends inspiration and guilt. And so genuinely generous people are not moved near as much by the inspiration. They're not moved at all by guilt, in my opinion. And they're not moved by these big sales pitches. Because genuinely generous people have moved beyond that. That's not what we're about. It's good to do those things, sure, but it's not what we're about. We are trying to become generous people. And so here are a few things that I know. When you become generous and transcend just giving randomly, like my heartstring has been pulled, I see the person in need, my, my kid comes this, to home with a fundraiser, you know, that he, he's doing at school, and so I need to give to these things. When we move beyond these random acts of giving... When you learn to order your life around being generous, when you learn to stretch, and I got to find my stretching bracelet here, when you learn to stretch, in other words, order your life around being generous, you will give more, you will save more, and you will consume less. And what the promise that Jesus makes, and we've also understood this from, from culture and from science as well, is that we will actually be happier. Generous people are happier people so we've already talked about how this is the case, right? We've talked about how this j- isn't just Jesus speak. This isn't just Christian feel-good theology here that you'll actually be happier if, you, if you're generous. So why don't, you, why don't you keep giving and give more? It's, it's, it's beyond that, right? Uh, science and sociology and anthropology have all studied generosity and they have proven, too, that generous people are happier people. But as we'll see, Jesus already knew this, as is with most things in life, right? Jesus already knew this. And life experience tells us too. How many of you guys have ever met a generous person that was angry? Or a generous person that was upset? Uh, Obviously, we all get upset at times. But an unhappy, generous person. We don't see them very often. Because ordering your life around generosity affects every single part of your life. Not just your pocketbook. It affects your emotions, it affects everything that you do, ordering your life around generosity, it affects every part of your life, and it trickles down and touches everything. And so the reason generosity has to be taught is because it's just not natural. You know, yeah, we've talked about how we are made in the image of a generous God, and so we have this image and this compulsion to give and to give and to give. That's how we were made, that's what it means to be genuinely human. Is to give, is to be free with our things and to give and to love. But if you also remember that sin entered the world and twisted that human nature within us, that image of God within us, and it made us stingy and greedy, and we want to consume and we want to take and want to pull everything into ourself. And so generosity and greed and, and generosity and stinginess, they're constantly a war within our hearts and within our minds. And it's really hard sometimes to be generous because it is not natural. Greed is natural, but generosity is not natural generosity has to be taught and has to be reclaimed and has to be redeemed how many of your kids when they turn three are all like i'm just a generous kid now i'm gonna be generous today it's like what who are you you're not my child you don't share i know that you don't share i know that generosity is hard for us as children as we're learning what it means to be humans because kids by nature unless my kids are just really unique in this regard (laughs) kids by nature do not share it has to be taught, it has to be reclaimed, it has to be redeemed. And even as adults, you'd think that we'd know better, right? we think that we'd learned a few things over the years, and, and uh, the topic of generosity comes up that we wouldn't resist it so much, that there wouldn't be this awkwardness when we talk about money, because you think we would have learned something over the years. But even as adults who have been taught to share, there is this resistance in giving away our things, and giving away our money, and, and reaching out to those people in need. And why is this the case? Because generosity is not natural. It's just not natural. But here's the thing, even though generosity is not natural, <clears throat> in most Western societies, generosity is cultural. And the reason this is the case is because in any nation or society that is a history of Christian faith, it will therefore have at least a shadow of Christian values. And so, Generosity may not be natural, but it is cultural. And it is a characteristic of our culture that is praised and valid, even though it is not natural. And this is because it is part of the American ought. We ought to be generous. We ought to do the right thing. We ought to help the people in need. If you don't believe me, just look at the countries that don't have this Christian history. I think one of the greatest examples right now in our world that is, is dealing with this and experiencing this is this whole refugee crisis in the Middle East. The countries that have this history of tradition and Christianity, even though they would not consider themselves Christian nations, have this compulsion to say, we should help these people out, and we should welcome the refugees and the immigrants into our country. It's so the countries that do not have this history of this Christian tradition. They don't have the Christian values. They don't have the shadow of the, of the, the generous culture and the generous value upon them that say, it's, they're not our problem. They're not our problem. We, we're not going to let them into our country. They are not our problem. Andy Stanley told uh, this story about how a friend of his, which is a tons of wealth, he had like houses all over the world. And, and in one of these these uh, particular countries, he had this huge house, and he knew a ton of really crazy, wealth fr- crazy wealthy friends. And so he saw that in this country, in the slums, that there were these uh, these children who were just going without. And, and he was like, man, what can I do? I'm a, I'm a super wealthy American, and I got tons of money, and there's so many pe- wealthy people within his own country Who should be helping these people out. And so he goes to his friends in this country who are super wealthy and he goes, hey, let us help these kids out. Let us do something. Let's raise money. Let's take what we have and give to these kids. And they're like, that's not our problem. They did not have a history and a tradition of Christianity. And so they said, it's not our problem to take care of the kids within our country who are in poverty. He actually had to come back to America to raise funds to help the people in that country when that own country was very capable of helping the children there. Now, we don't want to lose the American aunt, okay? That, that, that's good and all, but the day that we decide it's natural, generosity isn't natural, and we, and we totally disconnect it from our Christian heritage, then that is the day that we're in trouble. And that may be offensive to some of you because, because you're not Christian, and, and you don't want to be Christian, and you're here because someone dragged you here this morning, and you're like, you're listening to me reluctantly, and, and, uh, and you're wondering what the value in being in a place like this is. And you're like, are you telling me that only Christians are generous people? Is that really what you're telling me? No, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that generosity is not natural. It's not natural, but it is cultural. You see, what is natural when it comes to our money is crazy. Crazy is natural, (laughs) Especially, in, especially in, our, in our country, I, I think. I, I don't know if you guys, but if you've heard the statistic that the average household in America has $10,000 in credit card debt alone, that is crazy because we are buying things that we can't afford. We're, we're, we're using money on things that we cannot afford and we cannot purchase. That is crazy. How do we even do that? And it's, it's easy, actually, how we do that because, you know, credit card companies spend $2 billion annually on making sure that we are buying things that we cannot afford. It's crazy, people. I do it too, don't get me wrong, but it's crazy. This is crazy. And not only that, but most Americans pay interest on things that decrease in value the minute you buy them and they increase in price. This is crazy. We live in a crazy financial culture, my friends. So here's the thing. We, we purchase something, right? We, there, there, there's, a, there's a time in our life where we purchase, and then we have this uh, moment in time where we go and we buy a car, for instance. And then the minute that we purchase that, the, c- the price increases of that because of the interest, right? And the value decreases. Do you see how crazy this is? Do you think the financial situation of our culture is crazy? Yeah, we're $14 trillion dollars in debt as a nation as well. That's pretty crazy. We live in a crazy financial situation. Culture. And the thing is that this happens so often in our culture that we just think it's normal. It doesn't really feel that crazy to us, does it? It just kind of feels normal. It's just kind of what we do. It's just who we are. It's how we do things. This is crazy. But here's also what's crazy. We don't feel rich, but we are. But we feel generous, and we aren't. That's also crazy. That's also backwards. That's also twisted. You see, if someone from a third world dropped into your financial situation, and you're were, you were telling them about your woes, and you're like, oh, I don't know. You know, I just, I don't have enough money to do the things I want. They'd be like, you are crazy. I, 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 I buy a week's worth of food for four dollars, and it feeds the nine people in my family. You are crazy that you are struggling, and that the worry that you have, this is crazy. And they would listen to your complaints, and by your financial pressure, and they would think, man, we are absurd. We're crazy. We don't feel rich, but we are. We feel generous, but we aren't. And so here's the thing. What, what do we mean by generous, especially in the context of money, all right? In this conversation about money, what do we mean by generous? We've already discussed in the series that generosity within its historical context really means to push to a higher standard in all things pertaining to life. So generosity, for instance, is a, is a word that describes much more than just the usage of our money, it's about becoming the best people and the most authentic people that we can be. It's, it's about moving from here to there. It's about, it's about stretching. It's about becoming more, more loving people and, and learning to hold our, our things loosely, and that is our time, our energy, our, our talents, our, our emotions, our resources, our money, all of these things more loosely for the benefit and for the love of the people around us. Yes, that is true, but in the context of money— Andy Stanley provided four myths and an interesting definition for generosity that I think will be helpful today. And so there are four myths, I think, surrounding this, this conversation of generosity. Well, the, the first myth is this. Generosity is Spontaneous. You know, you, you go somewhere and there is a need, right? You watch a video like this and your heartstrings are pulled a little bit and so it's spontaneous giving and, and we think, hey, I gave today and that's, and that's generous and, and that's good. You know, the woman down the street was in need or my kid has, is holding a, a fundraiser at school and so you gave your money and that's all well and good and all, but it is not generosity. The first truth is that generous people are less spontaneous with their giving. They are less emotionally driven when it comes to giving and generous people are far more strategic they're giving and so it's not just this hit or miss i want to be generous today but i can't be generous tomorrow i'm going to be generous to this cause and i can't be generous to this it's really more strategic less spontaneous and less emotionally driven we'll talk about that over the course of the next couple weeks the second myth is that generosity is determined by cash flow and so you know it's like it's friday and i just got paid and so i can go be generous you know i can go i can go hand out my cash to people in need because i have a lot of it Oh, but it's at the end of the month, you know, and we've paid all of our bills and we've done all the, the things that we wanted to do and we've gone out to eat all the times that we wanted to. We don't have any money left, so sorry guys, I can't be generous. Generosity is determined by cash flow. It's the myth. The second truth is that generous people are consistently generous. It's an it's a order of life. It's the way that you've ordered your life. Generosity isn't determined by cash flow. If, if you are one of those people who give when you can afford it, or you don't give because you can't afford it, the odds are that you have not learned to be generous. The third myth is that it's the amount that counts. And so, you know, we've all heard this. It was such a generous gift. Oh, man, that guy gave so much money, and that was such a generous gift. But no one actually knows if a gift was generous except for the person who gave it. Adding zeros to an amount does not necessarily mean that it was a generous gift. It may be a lot of money compared to what I can give or what you can give, but it does not necessarily mean that it was a generous gift. And so we actually begin to fool ourselves into thinking that we're generous by giving a lot of money, when in reality, when it comes to generosity, the amount does not count. And that's the third truth. When it comes to generosity, the amount does not count. Now, think of the woman at the temple. We talked about this last week a little bit when the woman is at the temple and Jesus tells us that this is the model of generosity in scripture. And all she had was two little pennies, enough to buy maybe a small loaf of bread. And she gave all that she had. And Jesus says, this is the most generous woman in the temple. And yet there were tons of super rich people there and they were giving tons of money away. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, look at that guy over there. He just gave a million dollars. Can you believe how generous he is? That's not what he said. He said, hey, look at this woman. All she has is two little copper coins. Two little pennies, and she gave them all, and she is the most generous person here. Everyone can be generous, and everybody can make a generous donation. Fourth, the rich people are the generous people. We think, you know, when I finally can make a lot of money, then I'll start to give. When my pocketbook becomes a little heavier, then I'll start to give. But let's clear this up. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. You see, there's no natural correlation between the two. And if you're in your 20s and you're thinking, you know, when I get older and I finally have more money to my name, then I can start being generous. Or, you know, when when I get older and I have a good paying job, then I'll start being generous. You're fooling yourself. Because right now, you are setting patterns for how you're going to behave later in life. Right now, with the amount of money you have and the amount of resources you have and how you use them, you are establishing patterns that are going to carry with you for the rest of your life. And there is no correlation between how much money you make and how generous you are. They are two completely different things. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. And can rich people be generous? Absolutely. But that is not a factor that must be a component of your generosity. I want to teach you to be generous. I want you to learn to be generous. And it has to be taught because generosity is not natural. And so everybody, regardless of your income level, you can be a generous person. Every single person can be a generous person. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You can develop a generous heart and you can cultivate a generous mentality. And so I want to offer you a new definition of generosity pertaining to our money. And it's a little clunky. The definition's a little clunky. It, it requires you to pay attention. It's not smooth or pithy. Uh, there's nothing really like, oh man, that was so, I'm going to put that on my, on my bumper sticker. You know, there's nothing about that that you're going to do with this. But I think this is really going to help us understand what generosity is about. And over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack this definition a little more. Generosity. It's the premeditated, meaning that you have a plan. Okay, it's not just random. It's not like oh my heartstrings are pulled, so I'm going to give now. But it's the premeditated, calculated. You already know how much you're going to give. In other words, as you arrive to a place, the designated. In other words, you've already predecided where that money is going to go. Emancipation. You're going to set it free. That's a great word, isn't it? You're going to set it free. In order not to be possessed by our possessions, we have to understand that we are not possessors of our possessions. And we need to then set them free. And generous people understand that when they order their lives around generosity, they are setting free their personal financial assets. And so for the next several weeks, as I had said, we're going we're gonna to move beyond the conversation of being generous with our time and being generous with our talents and, and being generous with our service and all these other things. We're going to talk specifically about generosity in the context of money and our use of our finances And we're going to use this definition to help us out a little bit. The premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. Put that on your bumper sticker if you'd like. Go ahead, do it. Uh, But it's a little clunky. It's not pithy. It's not smooth. But it's going to help us understand what generosity is all about. So this is valuable because, remember, we want to learn to be generous people, not simply good givers. We want to stretch. We want to stretch. We want to move from here to there. We want to be generous. We want to be more free. And what I'd love for you to learn is that when you free your money, you free yourself from your money. That you say to the God of money, you're not in control any longer. I'm not going to live in fear as I bow down to you. You're not my God any longer, but I'm going to put my trust and my resources into the God who can provide. And so when you order your financial life around being generous, it frees you from your money. It frees you from your money. And you will not only be free, but as Jesus says, and culture tells us, and science tells us, and sociology and anthropology tells us, that you will also be happier. You will be happier. So there's this passage in Scripture, and it's only one verse, and that's all we're going to reflect on this morning, is one verse in Scripture. But it is possibly the most well-known verse in Scripture pertaining to money. It's It's a verse that we've all heard. Uh, whether you are a Christian or not, it's, it's uh, something that we're all aware of as a saying. Uh, it's kind of become a proverb within our culture and throughout the world, I think. Most people don't even realize that this verse came from the mouth of Jesus. This, this is actually something that Jesus said. It's a, very, it's, a, it's a verse that our parents taught us when we were unwilling to share. It's a, it's a verse that I tell Luke. Luke, here's my verse for you, buddy. You, you got to put this into action as you're stealing from your sister. As we're teaching, as we're learning to share, you got to put this into action, all right? It's a saying of Jesus. It's so popular, in fact, that I think um, it's kind of lost its original meaning in a lot of ways. We, we don't actually understand the, the true meaning behind this verse because it's become so popular and it's, it's become so contextualized and culturalized within, um, within our own society that we do not even understand exactly uh, what it is saying, and so we find this statement in the book of Acts. And so if you're familiar with your Bible, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the four Gospels. These are the stories and the records of Jesus. And then just after that is the book of Acts. And uh, the Acts tells the story of, of how the first church began and, and how, what happened after Jesus rose from the dead and, and, and how the Christian faith kind of spread throughout the Mediterranean world. Really interesting stuff. I'd encourage you guys to go home and read it if you never have. So the Apostle Paul, he's, uh, he's one of the guys who began um, a lot of churches in the Mediterranean world, and he was one of the, the people who spread the Christian faith probably more than any other person, honestly. Um, he went all over the, the Mediterranean world telling people about Jesus and planting some of the very first Christian churches. And so in particular, he's, uh, he's in the city of Ephesus in, uh, in Acts chapter 20. And he's, he's about to leave Ephesus. He's grown this, this great affinity towards the people there and the elders there. He's really grown this great love. They become his family, and he has this deep kinship towards the people of Ephesus. And it's really emotional, actually, if you read this in Acts chapter 20. Uh, he's, he's sitting there, and he's saying, I need to go to Jerusalem. I, I'm leaving you, Ephesians, to go to Jerusalem, and I know what it's going to be like in Jerusalem, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come across a tons of of persecution while I'm there, and it's going to be really hard. And they're like, no, please don't go then. Please just stay here. We want you to stay here. You're you're like our best friend. You're like a family member. He's like, no, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go continue the work that God has called me to continue. And he says, guys, remember. Remember what I've taught you while I've been with you. Remember what I have said. Remember the generous life that I have lived before you. And then he goes on to give some details about what the generous life looked like. And he says, you too then model my generous life. He's not bragging, you know, he's not saying, you know, I was super generous, so be like me because I'm the bomb, right? It's like, it's like, I've taught you to be generous, that, that this is the way that we are called to live as Christians, the generosity and giving freely because we have freely been given. And so, and so go and be generous people. He's teaching them. He's not bragging. He's lived a generous life, and, and when he's gone, he wants them to continue to be generous. And then he throws out this statement right in the middle of this that Jesus once said that it's kind of become this proverb to him. Everyone knew what Jesus was saying, and they understood exactly what Jesus was saying, even though if we don't fully understand what Jesus was saying. It's this little pithy saying that has become a proverb over the time, and it's one of those things that we say when we feel good about the way that we've given. He says this, "'Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. "'It is more blessed to give than to receive.'" "'It is more blessed to give than to receive.'" Now, when you've said this or when you've heard this, it's probably been in the context of, you know, I've just given this gift to somebody, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I feel pretty good about myself. Or, or like I had said, you know, we, we, we tell this to our kids because I'm a parent. I'm like, Luke, remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Give, your, give it back. You know, it's like we, we threaten our children with this verse when they're not being, uh, you know, very generous with their things, right? And it's, it's kind of the context that we often use this, but... uh, I I remember this time when, uh, (laughs) uh, I, uh, I I was, I was at a birthday party and, um, and, and I gave a friend a gift. Like we do have birthday parties, right? And, uh, and, and my friend was like, thank you. Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much. And I was like, you know, I just, I absolutely, it's your birthday. And they're like, you know, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm like, did you have to say that? It's like it's, like it's kind of ruined the moment here, you know? I, I, I wanted to be generous. I, I like giving, you know? It's something that I'm trying to cultivate, and, and our family has been trying to cultivate for a very long time. But you, you when, when, when we use this, it's kind of like it kind of dumbs down it. When, when people say that to other people, I just gave this gift, you know? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm like, really? I, I just, I'm trying to be generous. You're, you're, trying to, you're trying to say it's all about me really now, that I'm doing this because it's all about me when it's really all o- about you. But the saying of Jesus does not refer to a moment in time. And here's where we get it confused. What Jesus is saying here is not that, hey, why don't you give one thing because you will be blessed in so giving. It's not like if I give, then I'm going to get stuff in return. It's not talking about a moment in time. This was a reference to a way of life. Jesus is telling us that you ought to order your life around giving. It is not a reference to a moment in giving. So isn't this such an interesting saying, though? Because we're, we're, we're kind of like, you know, I, I certainly thought this as a child. I know that as, a, <laughs> as, a, as as my mom told me this, as I was unwilling to share with, with my brothers, you know, Ross, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm like, really, Mom? Because I, it is kind of blessed to to receive as well. You, you know that, right? It's, it's pretty blessed to get things too. And I'm not sure it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think giving is kind of blessing as well. And so I think they're kind of equal. And I, I think they're kind of on par with each other. And the reason we think this, and the reason we feel this at times, is because we hear these words and we think of a moment-in-time transaction. I I gave something, and therefore I think, hey, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but this is not what Jesus had in mind. This word blessed, or makarios in Greek, it's the same word that begins all of the Beatitudes in in Matthew chapter 5. And it's a word that simply means happy. That's what the word means, happy. Happy are those who give, and you sow and you reap into happiness, and so happiness is the outcome of a lifestyle. Happiness is the outcome of a lifestyle, and what Jesus and Paul were referring to was the fact that if you live a generous life, if you order your life around giving and generosity, not simply having these moments of giving, but if you are a generous life and order your life around generosity, you will be happy. This is the promise that Jesus makes. Happiness is the outcome of a lifestyle of generosity. And as I've already said, that we've discussed this in the, in the context of sociology and anthropology and secular science has already determined that this is exactly true. In the book, The Paradox of Generosity, Christian Smith and Hilary Davidson write, for generosity to enhance one's well-being, it must be practiced. Single, random, irregular acts of generosity may be good to perform and may be beneficial for everyone involved. But to have the kind of clear, significant effects on well-being observed in a greater happiness, greater health, and greater purpose, generosity needs to become a practice, a routine, a regular part of life. And this is secular science saying this. Make generosity way of life. You will be happier. And so what Jesus is saying is that happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. Not a moment in time, not a transaction, not an, okay, my heartstrings have been pulled hard enough, so I'll give. And again, random acts of giving are all well and good, but this is not what we're talking about today. Here's the thing, I'm not trying to get money from you. I, I'm not trying to, you know, f- fill the, the church bank account. We know how to get money from you, right? We, we show more compassion videos, we show more pictures of third world children, and, and, and we get the ones that where Morgan Freeman is doing the narrative on it, and we'll really start pulling your heartstrings there, Right? <laughs> We know how to get money from people. We, we guilt people, and we inspire people, and we do things, and we and we say things that inspire and oftentimes guilt people into giving. We know how to get money from people, but the reason that some of you don't like to give, perhaps, is because you feel like you are constantly being bombarded and hit over the head with a "Hey, hey give, 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 give. We need more. We need more. We need more." And over and over and over again, someone is showing you pictures and inspiring you with the cause. And finally, with tears in your eyes, you finally break out the checkbook because you're finally, you know, your heartstrings are pulled hard enough that you want to give now. But that's not what we're about. And even with this compassion campaign that we're doing, it's not what we're about either. We want to teach you to be generous people because it is not natural to be generous. But generosity is the way of life that leads not only happiness, but to the truth of our humanity. So becoming generous people is way better than just giving randomly. Becoming generous people is way better than just just having your heartstrings pulled from time to time and then opening up your checkbook. Becoming generous people is the pathway to life and to your humanity. And you know what? This may be the last time that someone ever teaches you how to be generous. It's, It's not a conversation that the world has very often. This may be the last time that someone teaches you how to be generous with your resources. And so I hope that we can pay attention. I'm going to invite the band forward, and we're going to reflect on this for just a moment. As the, as the band is coming forward, though, um, please know that this is the conversation we're going to be having over the next couple weeks. So I hope that you guys come back. I hope that you're not you know, scared by the whole financial conversation, but it's, it's, it's going to be such a powerful uh, portion of this series, I think. To close, I want you to imagine something. I want you to have a little thought experiment here with me for a minute. Imagine that you had a bank account full of all of the money that you feel you've wasted over the past 20 years. I right, think back over the last 20 years, all this money I've wasted. And for me, it's like I immediately go to when I was 18 years old and I went to the casino every single weekend and I blew hundreds of dollars on the blackjack table. Okay, that was my way of life in high school, guys. I'm just being honest with you. And so I, uh, I blew hundreds and hundreds of dollars at the casino when I was in high school. And 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 I think of that, and I think of all of the clothes that I wore once before they went into the the thrift store bin. You know, I think of uh I, th- I think of uh, cars maybe that I could have held on to longer that could still functioned well before I went and bought a new car, or, or um, or purchases that I just regret making. You know, you you kind of have buyer's regret. Anybody have buyer's regret? I can't be the only one, right? Okay, so you're kind of like, oh, why did I spend that money on that? I don't, I don't really want it. I didn't really need it, but I hear it is anyway, so it's going to sit in my corner and never be used. You know, I'm not going to tell you exactly how you wasted your money, but we've probably all wasted some money from time to time, right? And so think for a second. 20 years, that's a long time. 20 years, we have wasted money. And now all of that money has been collected and put into a bank account. But here's the thing. You can't use that money on yourself. All of that money that has been wasted over the years, you now have to give away. Over the next one year, you have 12 months to give that money away. For, for some of us, it's $100. For a lot of us, it's in the thousands, if not ten thousands of dollars, wouldn't you say? For some of us, it might be even more than that. We have $10,000, 20, $25,000 that I just need to give away. Wouldn't that be fun? Am I the only person who thinks that would be fun? That would be so much fun to be like, oh, you know, there's this woman down the street who's collecting money, and, and because I'm cultivating a lifestyle of generosity, and I have to because it's not my money right? It's not my money to use on myself. I have to give it away. It's just the lifestyle I've, I've, I've began and the lifestyle I've made. I can just like, she's trying to raise $500 for this need. And then I'm like, here, here's a thousand dollars. Take it. And the joy and the expression on her face, she would just blow up and it would be incredible. Or, or your son comes home with a, with this school fundraiser and all you know, the, the school is trying to buy new basketball hoops in it's a gymnasium. And you're like, dude, let's go just go buy the basketball hoops and you can just brighten everybody's day. Wouldn't that be fun? And so here's the thing. If we regret making 20 years worth of purchases that we could have just been cultivating a lifestyle of generosity towards, why not begin today to live the next 20 years managing our money well? Why why not begin today saying, you know, why make regretful purchases? Why not learn to stretch? Why Why not learn to use my resources sacrificially and go bless other people and make them happy? Because you know what? If you learn to revolve your life and to order your life around generosity, who is going to be happy? Not only the people you bless, but you are also going to be happy. Learn to be generous. It is not only a powerful thing, but a generator of happiness in this life. Amen?